Hey there, welcome to this excellent church. We believe the word of God is the charter of our lives and God's way to reshape values and reconcile men to himself. We hope this message brings edification, exhortation and comfort. Be blessed. Let's have our seats. Welcome to church, everybody. This month we've been doing eschatology, right? We've been talking about, we've been doing a study of the things that are to come, the end of these, right? And... Uh, the first thing we did was to look at what happens when we die. Am I right? Like, what happens immediately when we die? And we saw that once we are absent in this world, it is to be present with him. Praise God. We saw that purgatory does not really jive. Okay, this guy said that you saw one evidence for purgatory or something. I forgot to ask you. I'll have checked it. We'll talk about it after service. But we looked at it and we saw that the evidence for purgatory is very thin. And uh, it's not something that um, scripturally um, we, can, we can hold on to and call doctrine. Um, we saw the scriptures for soul sleep and we saw that sleeping is a matter of perspective of our state in this world, not a comment on our consciousness after. Praise God. So we are asleep here, but we are awake with the Lord. Hallelujah. So it's not as if our soul sleeps. It's our body that cannot be seen anymore that is asleep to the people that are here. So our soul does not sleep. When the Lord told the man at the right hand that today you will be with me in paradise, today, today is today. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, like Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, that, you know, is there to be absent in here so that I can be present with the Lord. Hallelujah. So when we sleep, we will be with the Lord immediately. The spirit of just men made perfect are alive and they are a host of weaknesses. Hallelujah. Elijah and, um, Elijah and Moses appear to the Lord. They are alive. They are witnesses. They are with us. So when the believer sleeps in this world, they are, we are awake unto the Lord. Hallelujah. So rest assured. Rest assured. You know, um, we trust the Lord that we will live long on this earth to do much for the Lord. Hallelujah. Any day we pass in this world, am I in the danger of an echo? Okay. Any day we pass, the acoustics of this place is bad. Any day we sleep in this world, when you open your eyes on the other side, you'll be opening your eyes to see Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you sleep in this world, rest assured, when you open your eyes, you'll be opening your eyes to see Jesus. Praise God. You know, it's one thing that even, we didn't even really go into. Maybe one of these days we'll go into testimonies of near-death experiences. Very interesting stuff. And it's not celebrity, uh, celebrity, near-death experiences of, I saw a vision, and I saw gnomes, I saw goblins, I saw fairies, like one guy did one time on Twitter, like this. Mm. Near-death experience where someone will die, the person will tell the doctor what he ate during the surgery. The color of the shoe that he put in his locker room. Real, real things that there was no way the person could have known. You know, and those people will tell you that when they, when they slept, when their body slept and they are awake, they were conscious and were able to enter the presence of the Lord. But the Lord, for whatever reason, would not allow them to come, so they come back. They will tell you, praise God. So trust me, your soul is not going to sleep and wait for 1,000 years. I used to think that before, but, you know, we're all growing, hallelujah. Nobody's a paragon of perfection. Tamashen, continue, that is so far. <laughs> Praise God. 
Hallelujah. That was just a joke. I'm referring to a Yoruba actor's um, statement. Hallelujah. So, yeah, when, once we sleep, we're going to be awake with the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope we're clear on that. Then we talked about the different theories of the dispensation after now, the millennium and the tribulation era. And we looked at the four different positions. Hallelujah. You can be an amillennial and be going to heaven like me, I understand that tribulation, no, reigning of Christ, though, is happening right now. And the Lord is coming only once. The Lord is not going to be coming and going like escalator. Come and go. After seven years, you come back again as if he doesn't have what he's doing. No. The Lord is coming once. And when he comes, he's taking everybody. Hallelujah. You can be a post-millennial and be very optimistic. Post millennial just an optimistic millennial, hallelujah, as far as I'm concerned. And you can be optimistic that yes, the Lord is coming only once, but things will be getting better and better and better and better until a time when almost everybody is saved. In fact, the only people that will not be saved that remaining will be the very stubborn ones that want to work with Satan. And so Jesus will have filled everywhere, everywhere will be like church, everywhere will be happy, and then Jesus will now come. And redeem it, and then the church will be perfect. There will not be useless denominations again. Everybody will just be one spiritual sound, solar scriptura <laughs> church. A church without blemish. You know, that's part of what the post millennials, that's part of what the, the what informs the post millennial view that the church that is coming will be the perfect church, even better than the first church in the first century, because the church will be spotless and without blame. Perfect moves of the spirit, proper behavior, proper conduct, proper governance, proper ecclesiology, proper everything, spotless. Hallelujah. No more scandalous pastors and turning the flesh members. Praise God. You understand? So, yeah, God will help us millennials. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, look, let's just leave it there. Hallelujah. Then you can be a dispensationalist of the two different types where you can a pre um, dispensationalist, right? And you can be post. Abby? Sorry? How is it? Pre-millennial and post-millennial. So, um, you can believe that, um, you know, when the Lord comes, the coming of the Lord the second time will happen before. We're going to have the tribulation seven years. The Lord will come. To, so, people will go. The Lord will come. Seven years tribulation. He will come again. Have a millennium. And then he will come again the last time. So, Jesus is coming and going. Or, you can believe that Tribulation happens once, then I've even forgotten the scheme, but we shall talk about it. Praise God. So you can be on that side. So, but whichever one, we say we'll not be dogmatic about it because each one has um, what they believe is true. And we said that the Lord did it like that so that we can have what to argue about. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, but it's important because the Lord does not want us navel gazing, the Lord does not want us sitting down and calculating when he will come and not do what we're meant to do. So it makes perfect sense that exactly the end of times is not clear. Praise God. It's like when you are going out and the child is asking you, when are you coming, daddy? When are you coming back? When are you coming back? I'm coming back in the evening. Leave me alone. Because if I tell you the exact time, you can now be misbehaving. And then when it's like five minutes to when I'm coming, you will now quickly arrange. So no, I'm not going to tell you. All I know is that when I'm coming, there will be sound of the horn and the gates will open. 
But we're not the only one in the house. The neighbors can, you understand? So you are looking at her. Uh, you understand what I'm saying, right? Uh, so you can be speculating. But Papa is coming when you will come. Amen. So there is, um, and then the last two Sundays we devoted it to talking about something, a doctrine that is becoming popular in the church globally again. And we need to understand it, the strong points, the weak points, and why we don't affirm it as a church. And we have to take time to, you know, talk about it. So we talked about Christian universalism. Hallelujah. And so we saw the questions, the points, the logic of it, the scriptural interpretation, the hermeneutic. And then we now talked about why it is um, difficult to juxtapose with a certain hermeneutic or reading of eternal fire and judgment. Hallelujah. So, um, so that is that. So in TEC, we believe in hell. Praise God. If a man is not saved, he will go to hell. Hallelujah. I hope that's okay. So, today I want us to talk about, um, as the last part, um, I want us to talk about signs of the end time. This is also a very important part of eschatology that we need to talk about. And the reason why is because uh, it has not been without its own fair share of controversy. And it's something that you wanted to pay attention to because as things are happening, it's something that comes up a lot. So it's good that we are informed about it. It's good that we are informed about it. Praise God. And we're going to look at a couple of scriptures that seem to be, and this, and as with all the other things that we've seen from, um, you know, all the other parts of the eschatology that we've seen, this one also seems to have two controversial parts. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures, and it will seem like as if Jesus tells us things that when those things begin to happen, you can trust that he's about to come. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures like that and we'll discuss them. Right? There are a couple of scriptures that seem like as if Jesus was saying that when these things begin to happen, just know that I'm about to come. And so some people will look at it and say, these things are proof that Jesus is about to come, come and judge humanity. But the problem is, many people have seen those kind of signs over time and they've gone to gather themselves in one bush waiting for Jesus to come. And you know all those kinds of silly things, right? Um, so yeah, there's that. At the same time, there are a lot of scriptures also where the Lord and the apostles tell us, nobody knows. Just be doing your own. I can come any time. Any time. You will not even know when I will show up. So we're going to look at those, we're going to look at both sides of it. And we're going to talk about what that means for us and what the truth is or what we can see, what the doctrine, what the doctrine that contains or what the doctrine we can draw from all these scriptures actually is. Praise God. Are we together? Hope I've not lost you. All right. So there are three scriptures that I want us to first read, right? Because a lot of these prophecies are in these three chapters. And then the other ones, we'll read them, the verses that pertain to them. Is that okay? So let's start from Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. Are we ready? So I'll read it. So just make sure you follow as I'm reading. As Jesus was leaving the temple, Mark chapter 13. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you all see these great buildings? Replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Okay, so I should give you a little bit of historical background. Some things that will help you to understand. Um, 
In 72 AD, the temple of Jerusalem was destroyed, never to be raised, never to be built again. This was the second temple. The first temple was built by Solomon in, um, I think, 1025 BC or something. And the second one, it was raised down by the, it was destroyed by the Babylonians. Right? Was it the Babylonians? Yes. But the Babylonians. And so, the, when, the, when the children of Israel returned in the exile in the third century, they began to rebuild it gradually. And so, it took them, um, I think, about 40 years or thereabouts. Oh, no, it was more than that. It was one, they used 100 years to build it. They were funding it consistently. And the building was a national project. It was so important and central to um, Jewish life that when the building was finally done, some a few years AD, after Jesus, it was even after Jesus' death, so that temple did not even last, survive for more than 30 years after they built it, yeah. Because they were building, even in Jesus' time, it was still under construction. They were still building some parts. They were still adding some parts. Shortly before, after Jesus died, I don't have the exact dates in my, in my head now. Shortly after Jesus died, they finished the building. And because of that, a lot of people were left without work. So that societal turmoil and a lot of people without work suddenly and everything, and then you know there was always the undertone of Jewish anger with the Roman occupation of Judea, right? So they were always angry. Um, you know the story of the Maccabees, and there are many times when people have been rising up to fight and cast away the Romans. The apostles thought that Jesus was still going to help them to get rid of the Romans. So in 72 AD, um, no, sometime in the 60s, a group of guys finally started a kind of guerrilla warfare and they went to hide in one mountain. What was the name of that mountain again? Do not forget. When I'm up here, I forget facts. So they were doing guerrilla warfare. They would come, attack the Romans and go back. So they stressed the Romans and were able to kick out the Romans. And then um, um, Vespi, um, Ves, what's the name of that Roman emperor? Ves... Verse? See? Yes, the Vespasian and his son, Titus. They now came back. <laughs> and um, <laughs> they came back with anger. Say, you people, small as you are. They came with anger. They said, if, when they, when, after they killed everybody, not the first did. The first killed a lot of people, hung their bodies on the city walls. Try to remember the description of what they did. Hung their bodies on the city walls. They burnt Jerusalem, I spread the area of the temple to the ground, to the point where even the temple gates melted. That was the heat that they used. They killed people. They killed people. It was terrible. It was really bad. And then, as if the Romans heard what Jesus said, which they didn't. They didn't, because this was already documented, I mean, before all these ones happened. <laughs> They've already documented it. Before, before it even happened, they've documented it. The Romans now went and said, this temple that is giving them Igberaga, we're going to dismantle it. I don't want to see any stone on top of each other. <laughs> so they dismantled it completely. Dismantled it. Interestingly, I got to learn, I learned recently that the Christians in Jerusalem we're forming big boys. You know, we are the papas. We are the boss. We are the heirs of the real, the real deal. After Paul and Barnabas and all the other Christians had done a lot of Hellenistic, Jewish Christians had done a lot of missionary work in the Mediterranean, and the gospel has spread to other places and everything. The guys in Jerusalem were still forming a kind of unique denomination. 
of Judaistic Christianity, you know, that kind of thing. Then the Holy Spirit sent someone to warn them. Um, something's about to happen. That was before the Romans even came. Something's about to happen. You guys must leave this place. If you don't leave, all of you are going to die. This one is not in the Bible. This is history, right? And so, so many of them heeded the call and they ran to somewhere called Pela. This place is also somewhere that you can get a lot of the, the movement of those people to Pela, somewhere close to the Jordan, was one of the communities where you were able to get a lot of, you know, early Christian history. Let me not go into all those things. Anyway, the point is that God, the Lord warned the Jewish Christians and some of them escaped. I, think, I don't think all of them left, but I think some of them left. But the people that were left were utterly wiped out, destroyed and killed. So the temple was gone. And that thing destroyed the um, Jewish nation, uh, national psyche. It destroyed it because the temple of the God we are building, they destroyed it once. The second time, they destroyed it. And not only did they destroy it, they changed the name. They said the name should not be Judea again. The name should not be Palestine. So, Jesus already warned you. I'm not in this place again. You refuse to hear. Say, so, yeah, now. Clear the thing from there. So, that was when Judaism now changed into a kind of um, religion that was based on rabbis and imams. What's the name of the, or the, name of the college? The current kind of Judaism that we have now, where it was not based on the temple and Pharisees anymore, was now based on rabbis that are thought leaders, giving their own interpretation of scriptures and all that and all that. So, do you understand that? Anyway, that's the historical context of what's happening. What happened in 72 AD? Now, Jesus is speaking, 30 AD, all right? And he now says, verse 2, Do you see all these great buildings? Or replied Jesus, No one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the mountain of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? So Jesus said, look at this temple. Very soon it's going to be destroyed. So they now asked Jesus that, Papa, tell us when will this temple be destroyed? And then Jesus now said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and he will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen. But this end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors, kings, as witnesses to them. But the, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and the father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go, go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one be in the field, go back to their cloak. How dreadful it would be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Yes, this is another thing that happened. <laughs> they were ripping out babies from the stomach. Those Romans are wicked. They were ripping out babies from the, mother, from the stomach of mothers before killing them. 
pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be the days of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. For the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe. For if false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and heavenly bodies will be shaken. This was um, quoting from Isaiah 13. At the same time, people will not see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power. So, verse 26 now says, At that time, People will see the Son of Man coming, coming in, in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as the twigs get tender and it, and it leaves come out, you know that the summer is near. Even so, by the way, this is a commentary on why Jesus caused the fig tree, all right? When your leaves come out and your branches have become tender, it means summer is here, you're supposed to be producing fruits. But, and then there are some of the figs that used to come out earlier than summer and they produce early fruits. Do you understand that? But if you are meant to be producing fruits and you are not producing fruits, you understand what that, you understand? Uh -huh. So, verse 29. Even so, when you see these things happen, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have been fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 is actually Matthew's account of what happened. Um, it's basically the same thing. Um, the differences are minor differences. So, but when we read the course of time, let's not bother, you know, going into all of it. So, Matthew 24, Mark 13 are basically the same. Luke 21. Luke 21 is a bit different. Um... Luke 21. Okay, so from verse 5, Luke 21 from verse 5 to um, verse 34. It's basically the same thing, actually, also. It starts with the apostles asking him for what will happen in those days when the temples will be destroyed and everything and everything. Hallelujah. Praise God. Church, all together. Hmm. Now, I'm, I'm thinking how I should approach this. Okay, let's start like this. So there are like six signs that people have generally agreed that are the signs that when they happen, based on this scripture that we just read, did we read the scripture? You guys got it, have you? That based on the way the scripture was read, these signs show that Jesus is about to come. Matthew chapter 24. If you check Matthew chapter 24, Verse 14. The first sign is that they believe that when you are preached to all the nations, it means Jesus is about to come. Matthew 24, verse 14 says, And the gospel of this kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Hallelujah. Do you see that? So when all the nations have been preached to, the end will come. Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13, verse 10 says, and the gospel must first be preached to all nations. So, when all the nations have been preached to, the end will come. Hallelujah. Are we together? 
Should we start discussing from here? No, let's, let's continue. Let me just let me mention all the signs first. That's, for, that's number one, right? Preaching to the nations, thank you. That's the first one, preaching to the nations. The second one is tribulation. So that preaching to the nations, let me drill on it a little bit. So people have believed that um, the reason why Jesus has not come is because all the nations have not yet heard the gospel. And so the moment all the nations have heard the gospel, Jesus will not be able to come because that's when they can now judge the whole world and everything, right? So that's the first one. What do you guys think about that? Let's discuss it. What do you guys think about that? Before we look at the scriptural interpretation, what do you think is a proper scriptural interpretation? What do you think about the logic behind it? Anybody thoughts? Thoughts? Let's, the, the logic of it. Let's talk about the logic of it. That Jesus will not come until all the nations, the mic, all the nations have been preached to. Because let me just say one of my own thoughts. Let me say my own thoughts. For example, my own thought is this is that the world is not static. People are being born. People are dying. Nations are coming into existence and nations are going out of existence. The borders of nations are constantly changing and things are progressing. The fact that you preach the gospel to all of Nigeria today does not mean that in the next 50 years you will not need to preach to Nigeria again because the children of those you preach to are not the same as their parents. You need to preach the gospel to those children again, isn't it? Right? For example, many people don't realize, but in the early 19th century, before Marxism of the 20th century became a thing, and uh, King Jong-un's family destroyed North Korea, Pyongyang was a very Christian city. Ah, very interesting story. Should I tell you guys the story? So, in 1866, there was a Welsh missionary that went to Korea, except for the second time. It's the second missionary trip. And the people of Korea at the time, the, some Catholics, Catholics had already preached the gospel in Korea, but the people of Korea killed all the Christians, killed everybody that was Catholic. So the people in government, were not everybody, almost everybody, they wiped them out. <laughs> Talking about persecution. Anyway, so, so the people of Pyongyang did not want Christian missionaries. So this guy was a Protestant Welsh guy. He went with a ship from China or from Vietnam, went to Korea. He, they had plenty of Bibles that they had printed that they wanted to share to Korean people. From the seashore, when Korean people saw them, they were already planning for them. So immediately they landed at the seashore, they killed all of them, killed the missionary, dragged them out, killed everybody and everything. The Bibles that were in the ship, they threw it out. So there was one guy called Poxik Yang. You know how their names are, right? He now said, ah, let's not waste all this paper. He now took all the Bibles and went to put wallpaper on his wall, use the paper, Bible pages as wallpaper on his wall. You don't believe what happened? Guess, just guess. People start, he started reading it. And then people started coming to his house to read it. And revival broke out. Within 15 years, there were over 100 churches in Pyongyang from that thing. Then King Jomo's family came and killed everybody that was a Christian. And took the country to North Korea. Now look at that event. I will not go to preach to North Korea again now. I will not go to have to go and place the Bible wallpaper in their country again. Do you understand? We have to go and start again. So if we say until all the nations will be preached, how is that going to happen? Like, how is that going to happen? You know? Those are my thoughts. Any thoughts before I move on? Because there's no time. Eh? Yeah. 
So the people that wanted to be saved. <laughs> like the people that are meant to be saved will be reached. But everywhere. So at least has reached North Korea. That one has gone. Okay, I understand. That one saved day. Let's go on. Okay, so let's go on. Um, the sign number two, tribulation. This is where tribulation people, dispensationalists like this one. Math, uh, Mark chapter 13. Mark chapter 13. Um, Mark chapter 13. Look at verse 7. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. Do you see that? So it's going to be a period of intense, intense tribulation. Things will be happening politically. Things will be going on and there will be problems and wars and violence and all that. You will see Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 verse 15. Yeah, Matthew chapter 24 from verse 15 says, So when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation. Spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the house stop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it would be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or Sabbath, for there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. So that's a great distress. In those days, if those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, there he is, do not believe it. Hallelujah. Church, do you see that? So there will be days of great distress. So when you are hearing news that things are going wrong in the world, um, people are suffering, and this one, your nation, there are problems and everything, and people are, that you know that Jesus is about to come. Hallelujah. Number three. Number three sign. In those days, there will be plenty false prophets. Look at verse 23. It says, at that time, if, any, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect, so even children of God will be deceived by these false prophets that will be very, very, very good. Mark chapter 13 verse 22 says the same, that you know, there will be false prophets in those days. Then, number four sign is that there will be all kinds of signs and wonders in the heavens. There will be all kinds of apocalyptic events in the heavens. Look at verse 29 of chapter 24. Immediately after the distress of those days, so after tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky. And the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And there will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the cloud of heaven with power and glory. Hallelujah. Church, are we together? Oh. And there's a book that believe that Jesus came in AD 72. Do you know that? Yeah. yeah. So we believe that we are actually in the millennium now. So... Now I'm saved. Hallelujah. Okay. 
So, there will be signs in heaven. Alright? Sign number five. The Antichrist will come. This one was not going to be in the scripture we're going to go to. We'll go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This one is a long read. So in that day, the Antichrist, not the Antichrists, there will be one guy. One guy. Nikolai Kapati. You guys not watch, uh, they didn't watch uh, Left Behind. Oh my God. Nikolai Kapathy, right? He's going to be a young, handsome guy that will start from somewhere. Then he'll become president of America. And then all the media houses will now follow him. And then he'll be very, you know, you know, and everything. So, yeah. Second Solution chapter 2 from verse 1 says, Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly, allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. So you see that? Paul was telling them that all of it are saying that Jesus has already come. Whether they are telling you that is a lie. Don't let anyone deceive you. You are saying it then. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. So, that day is not, has not come yet. Paul was saying it then. That that day had not come yet. Because the man of lawlessness must be revealed. So this one is the man. He says, the man doomed to destruction. He will, he, will, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. So that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. Now, you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds his back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed. So something is holding him, or someone is holding him. Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie, and all the ways of wickedness deceive those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. For this is the reason God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe it. So the people that refused to believe, God will send them a powerful delusion. And all, so, so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have de- delighted in wickedness. Hallelujah. So you see that? So there's a man of lawlessness after which that is the reason why the end has not come yet. Something is holding him back. And this man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, is going to be the man that will do all kinds of mighty signs and wonders. When he shows up, then the end will come, according to how Paul says here. And if we read Revelation chapter 13, Revelation chapter 13, talks about the dragon and the beast. That one is a long read. I don't think we need to go into it and all that. So this dragon and the beast are going to come at the end of the time you know, and everything. Praise God. If you check Second John, let's read Second John chapter two. First John chapter two, rather. First John chapter two, verse eighteen it says, "Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, and this is how we know it is the last hour." Hallelujah. Do you see that? They went out from among us, from us, but they do not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But they are going showed that none of them belonged to us. Hallelujah. So there is the Antichrist and then there are 
Antichrists. But there is the Antichrist. And the presence of the Antichrist is how we know that it is the last hour. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then the final sign is that Israel will be saved. Israel will come to salvation. Romans chapter 11. Verse 25 says, I do not want to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has, Israel is experienced, has experienced the hardening in parts until the full number of the Gentiles have come in. So in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take you with their sins. Hallelujah. You know, so... Um, Israel will be saved. Praise God. So, we're meant to experience something before the end of time whereby Israel will be saved. Praise God. So, but if we look at a couple of other scriptures, they seem to suggest, let me just quickly run through them. If you look at a couple of other scriptures, they seem to suggest that just can come at any time. At any time. And in fact, it's not as if you will know. Let's, let's run through there. Matthew chapter 24. That's in Matthew 24. Look at verse 50. That's in Matthew 24. Look at verse 50. The master of that servant will come in a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he's not aware of. Now, if you read it, you see that it's a parable of the day and hour. If you look at verse 36, you know, after he had talked about everything up to verse 35, look at verse 36, now says, but that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, not the son, but only the father. Just, do you see that? As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the son of man. So as it was in the days of Noah, that's what it will be in the coming of the son of man. So when the son of man is coming, nobody will know. And he now ends it, he now tells that parable, he now ends it with that verse 15. And now says, The master of the servants will come in a day when he does not expect him at an hour when he is not aware of. So on one hand, it seems like as if we are giving signs of what to expect so that we can know when the Lord will come. On the other hand, the Lord is telling us that no one will know. It will be like in the days of Noah when men will not know. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 13. Next chapter. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. You see the story of the ten virgins. I always tell people that the, the parable of the ten virgins is a story of, the story of perseverance. It's a story of perseverance. Okay? The fact that all of us are baptized and we have oil does not mean that everybody's oil will be at the end. All right? Let's not deceive ourselves. You can see what Jesus is saying here. You can see the context from chapter 24. You can see it, the context from chapter 24 to chapter 25. The story of perseverance. Tell the people that are coming to church with you. Don't let your oil finish before the husband comes. A word is enough for the wise. Amen? But don't worry, your oil will not finish. That's what the writer of Hebrews just did. What the writer of Hebrews did, that's what I just did now. You understand? Did you get it? Uh-huh. Um, look at Mark chapter 13. The same scriptures that we read... Look at verse 32. 
But about the day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son of Man, but only the Father. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 40. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Mm, do I have him mixed, mixed up? I was just writing 20 scriptures. I think I'll mix it up. Let's keep it. I've miswritten something. Uh, let's, let's go on. Philippians 3. 20, but our citizenship in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're eagerly awaiting his coming. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying safety and destruction. While people are saying safe, um, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on pregnant women, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that the day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and what? Sober. Titus chapter 2. <clears throat> Titus chapter 2. Verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. While we await for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Said our great God. Very ridiculous when people say that um, the idea that Jesus was divine was later development. James chapter 5. Verse 7 to 9. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer awaits for the land to yield his valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring grace. You to be patient and stand firm because the Lord is coming. The Lord, Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. And the judge is standing at the door. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. So the end of all, the end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and sober mind and of sober mind so that you may pray. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's go on. Um, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. So, the day will come like a thief. Hallelujah. Revelations 1. Revelations 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of the prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written. Because the time is near. And you go to chapter 22. 22, verse 7. Jesus is speaking now, says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the word of the prophecy written in the scroll. So you see it over and over. I'm coming soon. Verse 12 of the same chapter says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. Verse 20 says, he who testified to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Hallelujah. 
Praise God. So, what do believers make of all these things? What do we make of all these things? He says it will come like a thief in the night. He will come like a thief in the night. At a time that, you know, it's surprising to us. Or it's surprising. Let me not say to us. What can we make of all these things? What can we make of all these things? I'd like to get your inputs. And then I'll say some things and maybe spark some conversation up. Praise God. Which one do you think it is? Is it going to be surprising? Or are we going to be able to tell that something's about to happen? Something is about to happen. Praise God. So, what do you guys think? Which one is it? Will it be surprising or will be able to tell by the things that are going to happen? You know, the things that will be seen around us, the Antichrist, you know. You know, there are some things that just make you feel like as if Jesus has been coming soon because this can't continue forever. This can't continue forever. This, I mean, this is a sign that Jesus is coming soon. Any thoughts? So, Emeka wants to say something. So which things? Which one? Um, I mean, the wars. Normally, when there is a war, it will take at least normally like a week or two for people to know on that side back then that oh, there was a war. So your point is your point is that those signs will always be here. Yeah, yeah those signs are always Okay, but okay, it's a very good point. Though. Trust me, I'm. I share, I share your sentiment, but there's one that is interesting. This um, man of lawlessness, this the Antichrist that John and Paul talk about, um, it seems dramatic. Like it's going to be one person, like one person. And I know that through history, a lot of people have thought that there was one person that came. People thought it was Hitler. Because, I mean, if you're in the world at the time of Hitler, it's not been like, rah, it's you, it is you. There's no like one to you. Do you understand? And at different points in time, there were, like, there were all these things happening in different places that when someone shows up like that, you know, but the apostles seem to seem, seem to sound like there is somebody that will like come. What, do you have any thoughts about that? Thank you. Thank you. That place in Europe, yeah. Yes. So the scope of it will be difficult 
to pin it on a person. Now, if we have to pin it on, like you said, the spirit, in fact, reading, just reading through this right now, there's something that is going on in the world now that is taking exactly that position, exalting itself above God and against everything that stands in God. And there's a move that is going on even right now that is taking that position of Antichrist, even though there's no particular man behind it. Okay, so I, yeah, I, your position is mine, to be honest. But there's one issue. When I was doing this study, you know, like I said, we're all learning more. There's one scripture. It says, no man knows the time, even the son of man. That scripture is problematic for this. Okay. Okay, yeah, so you're trying to, you are trying to postulate a kind of... Okay, okay. Okay. We'll have an idea. Okay, to be a season. We won't know the day, but we'll know that something is coming. Okay, please. Mm. So what is, for Paul in Second Thessalonians, what is that end that he said when the sort of lawlessness now comes, the end will come. So what do you think was Paul's the end? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. But to be fair, the scholars that said Roman Empire, I have a problem with that because if you read First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians that we read, is actually talking. It was actually talking about the end when Jesus will destroy our enemies and all that, not just something this thing. But your point is actually, you know, don't worry, we'll tie everything together. That was actually very good. Who else? But you want to wait until later? Have you? Want to wait till? Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's let's hear Pastor Shed. You may come this you cannot know. And I think that was not very So the sense of the end time is such an umbrella that how do I say it? If you look at oh the um, one not one book when you read over another, you can look at it in isolation. In isolation, the second minutes, seven point one. So is it too easy? Yeah, please go ahead now. You're the one who did the mic. After World War II.
<laughs> Who else? Glory, let's say something. Thank you. Jesus will come again, like when you hold your time to 
sinner. I think Jesus' death and um, Jesus' resurrection triggered this end times. Because from then, 2,000 years ago to whatever it is, 2,000 years ago, it's the end times, my opinion. It's not going to be the five years before Jesus comes or the one year before. I know. Praise God. Uh, <laughs> Please share, let's share and speak. Marie, why do you want to say something, sir? I thought you were just in your hand, okay. Like People. Jesus said, there's to be as the days of Noah. So did Noah know when the rain will come? Exactly. No. But did you know that rain was coming? I was in a season that rain will come. Yes. No, no, I'm a man of God. So <laughs> <laughs> the preaching machine. And that's what we are saying. And for this brother, he puts um, a willy on his <laughs> Praise God. Do the guys online have anything to say? Um, uh, I wanted to... Okay. So, I didn't really have anything really different. So, I think that I really agree with what um, Dr. Femi said. But um, another thought that I've always had was that um, because you will see through the book of Acts to see the Believers, early church believers, they lived um, as if Jesus was going to come in a very short time. That's why you see them that they could sell all their properties and they could contribute all their money as if Jesus was going to come in the next one year, next year. So I think that generally that we are most Christian when we act like Jesus is coming very soon. Right? So if um, I think that the knowledge that Jesus is going to come, whether it is tomorrow, or whether it's going to happen in a hundred years' time, that that knowledge at the back of the mind of every Christian will always steer us to do the work that we are meant to do for time. God bless you. Praise God. Any other thing? Okay, so your your your, uh, you know, your pastors have said, actually said, said it. Um, so, let me just put everything together for you. Is that no one actually knows the exact day. But the reason why we will not be taken aware, unaware, is because of the kind of life we are living. You will not be, it will not catch you like a thief in the night. It is read like as if you will know the day. No. It means that it will not surprise you. Something will not surprise you because you are ready for it. Not because you know when it will happen. If I have, if my birthday is coming, and this year they surprised me, this year they don't surprise me, you know, all those kinds of things and everything. But, okay, let me, let me, let me try and put the, part of the analogy very well. Is that um, you and your wife are in love with each other. You are in love. You're in, you're, you know, you're always in love and everything. You know that your Christmas, your birthday, she's going to celebrate you. On your birthday, when she buys a gift, she, she doesn't let you know that she's about to buy a gift and everything. And then she now buys the gift and gives you. Because you know the kind of person that you are living with. You know that she, she might be planning something. She might be planning something. She might not be planning something. She might be planning something. She might not be planning something. When she brings the gift on your birthday, it is not going to catch you like a thief in the night. Do you understand that? Because you know the kind of wife that you have. Do you understand? But you did not know the exact gift she will buy. You did not know whether she will give it to you on the night of the birthday or in Sunday service after. But it did not catch you like a thief in the night. Let's read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 again. 
Verse 4 says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. It is the surprise, not that we know the day exactly. So we may not know the day exactly, but we will not be surprised. Do you understand that? So both of them are true. We will not know the day exactly, but we will not be surprised. We will not know the day exactly, but we will not be surprised. Something is happening. Is it? Can you guys hear it? Verse 5 says, You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Look at. So that is the difference between us and them. He said, For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So, the way we are going to live our lives is that we are going to be alert. We are going to be alert. We are going to put on faith and love as our breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So, we will be living our lives like believers so that when that day comes, it will not surprise us. We might not know the exact day, but we will not be surprised. That is exactly what Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 21, and Matthew chapter 24 tell us. He says, just like the days of Noah, Noah knew a rain was coming, but he did not know the exact day. Do you understand that? And he was prepared. So when the rain came, did he catch him by surprise? But did he know the day? Did you see that? Just like Pastor Shea said. Noah did not know the day, but he was not surprised. Because of the way we'll be living our life. It's people that are living their life like unbelievers, like the people that, that will be consumed by the rain, that when the rain comes and begins to drown them, it will catch them by surprise like a thief in the night. So do you understand that? That's why like the ten virgins, he says, you don't know when they will come, but the ones that they still had their oil, they were not surprised. They didn't know the hour that the bridegroom came, but they were not surprised. Look at that servant that Jesus was talking about at the end of chapter 24. He says that the servant that was misbehaving, he said, it's going to come at a time when that servant does not know. You will now beat, beat the servant. But the one that was doing well will not be surprised. When you are doing your work well, when the master comes suddenly, he'll be like, ah, master, welcome. I'm ready for you. But the one that was dancing Makosa inside the master's house, it will catch him by surprise. Hallelujah. Church, are we together? Do you understand that? Now, with respect to the signs, the first thing that we need to understand is this. This is the volume. This is the volume. Praise God. Oh, right. Okay. So, with respect to the signs of the end time that are about to come, the first thing you need to know that the end is local. Just like every politics is local. First of all, every end is what? Local. Do you know I just said now? You did not hear me. Let me say it again. Every end is what? Local. It's local to the individual. Is local to nations. Now, it is possible that a time will come when all these signs will play on a global level. On a single global level. It is possible. And the reason why we will still not be able to tell the exact time, despite the fact that it may play on a global level, is because on a local level, we'll have been seeing all those things happening regularly throughout history, even in individual lives. In Nigeria, in your personal life, you will have been seeing so many antichrists that when you are watching CNN and they talk about an antichrist, it will not look like a new thing. 
even if that Antichrist is the son of lawlessness, you understand what I'm saying? We'll have had so many earthquakes and eclipses and something happened with Ukraine war, Russia war, fights where Mao, Stalin, everybody through history, that if one now eventually happens, you will think it's just another time in history. Is it false prophets? <laughs> there have been false prophets since day one. And he said false prophets on that day, they have been doing all kinds of signs. When a major false prophet, false prophets come, it will be like as if it will soon delay by. Should you get that? What are the other signs there? What's the last? What are the other ones there? It says, yeah, the apocalyptic things. Yes, of course, all kinds of apocalyptic things. You know, then the Antichrist will come. You know, the salvation of Israel. People are being preached to every day and every time. Now, this salvation of Israel one, you know, it is not clear whether it is the entire nation of Israel. Obviously, you would have been referring to the entire nation of Israel, but that a lot of um, Jewish people begin to receive the gospel and everything. And guess what? Through history, a lot of Jewish people have received the gospel. Praise God. Look at preaching to all nations. <laughs> Just like I said, every eschatology is local. Every end of times is local. When we're talking about preaching to all the nations, at the time when the gospel was being preached, as far as all the people that were in the Mediterranean were concerned, they had preached to all the nations that they could see. They thought they had seen the end of the world. So do you understand that? And the preaching to the nations will be something that will be ongoing. There will never be a time when you can say you have preached to every single nation. Yet, at every point in time, you can say that you have preached to all the nations. So every eschatology is local. Another thing is this, to remember, is that everybody will die at a different time. So your own son of lawlessness is also unique to you. I hope you know that. You're laughing. <laughs> The time that each individual will die is also different. The day the son of man is coming for you as an individual, if, it's not, if you're not going to be at the time when the Lord is going to come at the same time for everybody, is also what? Different. Praise God. So, what does that mean? This is the reason why for the past 2,000 years, different movements have come up. They have looked at these signs and they have tried to anticipate that this is the time that Jesus will come, and they were wrong. And consistently and consistently and consistently, they have been wrong. It is possible that there will be one global event where it will look like as if all these things will happen. It is possible. However, all these things are constantly happening in our individual lives and as different nations, and because not all of us are going to go to heaven at the same time, they suffice for us in our own conduct as your own individual end times. Do you understand that? Because you're not going to die with every other person. You're not going to die with every other person. So whenever you see these signs, know that even you, Jesus is coming for you soon if you die. Do you understand that? Your own rapture. <laughs> your own rapture is coming. Your own rapture is coming. Now, I need to say this. As far as Matthew, Mark chapter 13 and Matthew 24, Luke 21 are concerned, there's actually a bulk of it in the first part that was actually referring directly to the destruction of Jerusalem. But there was also a part where Jesus now transited to talking about the Son of Man coming. If you notice the transition, he started by asking him, when would the this temple be destroyed? And then he went to telling them that you will be persecuted, you will be brought to the synagogue, in your own generation, it will not happen until someone 
it will happen well in this generation. Do you understand that? He was telling them, you, you, you. Then he transited into Son of Man, right? So there was a bulk of it where it was actually speaking to the temple. But Jesus now used that opportunity to also tell us about the end of all times. Do you understand that? Church all together. So, when the Lord says that no man knows the exact time, he means no man knows the exact time. If things are happening on CNN and they tell you that there's an eclipse coming, and then you now watch CNN, and then you watch CNN tells you an eclipse is coming, then you watch BBC and they tell you that transgender people are about to take over the supermarkets in the world to say, hi, this is the Antichrist. And then you now watch another TV, and then from there you now touch, turn to uh, maybe um, give me another channel. Uh, TV, and then you now see a false prophet on there talking, talking, saying something. And then you now change to another pro, um, channel, uh, channel, and they now say, uh, tribulation, they are killing plenty of Christians, clinical, clinical. You now say, ah, you can't pass one month before Jesus will come. What he's telling you is that Jesus can come for you anytime. That's what it means. Praise God. So, again, one thing is reinforced. Believers are not meant to be navel gazing. Believers are not meant to be sitting down and calculating and permutating when Jesus will come. We are meant to be sober-minded so that when he comes, we will be like the five wise virgins. And we will not be surprised. What will make you surprised? Even if you know the exact time, if you are behaving like a non-believer, you will still be surprised. Even if they tell you the exact time, if you are behaving like a non-believer, you will still be surprised. The reason why you will not be surprised is that you are going to put on the breastplate of, um, you know, you put on the, help, the breastplate of faith and love and you, you know, put on the breastplate of salvation. Hallelujah. You, create, you conduct yourself like a believer. You conduct yourself like Noah. You conduct yourself like the five wise virgins so that whenever the Lord comes, if something happens and the Lord takes you away suddenly, when you wake up, you will not be surprised. Church, out together. You will not be surprised. Praise God. Church, out together. So don't really let's be looking for Antichrist. Don't follow them to say Obama is the Antichrist or is Donald Trump that is the Antichrist. Don't trust me. Even if the person is the Antichrist, it will not make much difference. It won't. It won't. Praise God. Church, are we together? Is that okay? Are we, are we clear on that? Do we understand that? So, keep this in mind and, um, you know, also teach someone the same. Let's bow down our heads and let's give God thanks. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. For more updates on our programs and audio messages, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at this excellent church. God bless you.